Hello again, fight fans. Welcome to episode number 185 of the Neutral Corner Boxing Podcast. I am your host, Michael Montero, for Boxing Monthly Magazine and BoxingMonthly.com. And in the latest issue of Boxing Monthly Magazine, August issue, what do we have right on the cover? We have Campbell Lomachenko, and that's the big fight that we're going to be reviewing in just a little, or sorry, previewing in just a little bit. But we have a few news and notes. Before I get to that, guys, just want to send a quick reminder. Go ahead and smash the like button if you're watching here on YouTube. Um, we have a Patreon if you want to help out and tip the show and just contribute. Patreon.com slash Montero Unboxing. And of course, we're selling MOB t-shirts. So I uh, want to definitely uh, make sure you guys know about that. We are sold out right now out of extra large, but we have everything else. So if you guys want a tea, let me know. Also, Going to be in L.A. to cover the Spence Porter bout. So all my L.A. peeps, I'll see you guys when I'm out there. That includes my boys back at the gyms I used to train out there. I don't know if you guys can see the t-shirt I'm wearing. Eddie's boxing crew, Eddie Hernandez. I used to train with him out at uh, City of Angels Boxing and at the Wild Card in Hollywood. So uh, any of my old boys back at those gyms who want to get up, do some drills, maybe some light sparring, take it easy on me. I'll probably be drinking a lot of beer out there. Actually, you know what? Don't take it easy on me. I need to sweat that shit out. Get at me, all right? Get at me. And then um, to everybody else, man, your homework, your fee for episode 185 is to continue to spread the word about the Thursday preview show. Same time, just a different day. 7 p.m. Eastern, right here on YouTube. And then, of course, we go off onto iTunes, Spreaker, SoundCloud, iHeartRadio. Those of you who have iHeartRadio, we're up there. Make sure you follow us everywhere you guys listen to music, you listen to podcasts. You don't have to listen to my show 8,000 times. I'm not asking for that. I'm just asking for a like, a subscription on every platform that you use, right? Every social platform and then every platform where you listen to media, whether it's music, whether it's news, whether it's podcasts, whatever it is, give us a like, give us a follow, a subscription, whatever you call it. And if you can, drop a rating drop a review. That helps us, okay? Let's get into some quick news and notes. So um, Brandon Figueroa, his main event last week in Texas on Fox Sports 1, that peaked at 420,000 viewers, which is pretty good considering it's the dog days of summer. It's not regular Fox. That's Fox Sports 1. That's a secondary network. It's in 80 million homes in America, but it's a secondary network. It's not the same thing as regular Fox. So He's also a prospect. He was fighting a, a guy that he, everyone knew he was going to beat. It was a busy sports weekend. So all things considered, I think that's a pretty damn good rating for Brandon Figueroa. And it shows that there's a brand building there. He did a pretty good crowd there in Texas as well. Uh, some fights coming up. we got Richard Comey versus Teofimo Lopez. A couple of you guys were asking me last week, is that fight going to happen? Is it going to happen? It's going to happen. You know what I'm saying? December 14th, Madison Square Garden on ESPN following the Heisman Trophy show. So Grandpa Bob and everyone at ESPN at top rank, they have a great plan here. Their plan, the way they want it to work, is Teofima Lopez to have a tough fight against Richard Comey, to face some adversity. Maybe, maybe he gets dropped. Maybe he gets hurt. Comes back, wins, beats Richard Comey, grabs that fourth title in the lightweight division. Meanwhile, Lomachenko... Hopefully, if your Grandpa Bob, according to plan, is supposed to pick up the third one, because he already has two of them this weekend in London. We'll talk about that in a minute. And then on Super Bowl, or not Super Bowl Sunday, Super Bowl weekend, you're going to get Lomachenko, Tiafimo Lopez. That's the biggest sports weekend in America every year, Super Bowl week, right? It's the biggest sports week we have. And you're going to build it up. You're going to build up the hype around the Heisman Trophy show which is a big, big ratings thing, right? Everybody watches that. And then the payoff is Super Bowl week. Smart plan by Grandpa Bob. Will it come out to fruition exactly the way he wants? Who knows? That's why they fight the fights. But I like that matchup a lot. I really, really do. A lot of people are down on Teofimo Lopez since he didn't look great in his last fight, but I keep saying it. Those 12 rounds, was it 10 or 12? I think it was 12 rounds. That he got in in that last fight where he had some issues, he didn't look spectacular. That is, I think, going to be the most valuable thing for him as he goes in there to fight Richard Comey. I still favor Lopez, but I will admit it's tight. 
It's really, really tight, but I favor Lopez. Also, uh, Andrew Concio, rematch with Rene Alvarado, who I believe is his mandatory for that title that he won against Alberto Machado and then beat him again in the rematch this year. Remember, that first fight against Machado was kind of seen as the upset of the year at that time until we had all these other upsets, right? So he's going to fight <clears throat> Rene Alvarado again November 23rd at Fantasy Springs Casino in Indio, California. That will be his seventh time fighting there, so it's going to be a fun crowd. It's going to be his third fight of the year. And look, he's not going to win fighter of the year, Andrew Cancio. I'm not saying anything like that, but he's going to be in a discussion. He's not going to win. The, he's not even in the top three or anything like that, but he's on a list. If there's a top five, maybe top ten list of guys that are fighter of the year candidates, he's going to be on it. I don't know if he's top five, but he's in the top ten. Anyway, November 23rd, Fantasy Springs Casino. Speaking of November, November 2nd is the working date for Canelo Alvarez and Sergey Kovalev. Now, I talked about this a little bit last week. Both, um, or over the weekend, I talked about it on the radio segment on SB Nation Sports Radio with Dave Smith, the legendary Dave Smith. Shout out to him, the sports god. We talked about this, and then I talked about it a little bit Monday on, on TNC, the review show. Is November 2nd too soon of a turnaround for Sergey Kovalev? Most training camps are eight weeks. If you do the math, he just fought last weekend. If he signs on to fight Canelo, man, that's basically one week rest and then an eight-week training camp, or maybe a three-week rest and a six-week training camp. You know, it's, it's going to be that. It's going to be real tight. At 36 years old, given the grueling type of fight it was against Anthony Yard, where he did take some punishment and it went late. It went into the 11th round. It's not like it was a third round knockout or something. You know, I don't know if I like that turnaround. So I tweeted about that. I talked about it a little bit this week. And then I saw other people's responses to that. I've talked to a few people in the biz this week off the record. And, you know, there's also a different way of looking at this. Sergey doesn't have to go right back in and do a full eight-week camp, like I said. He just had a full camp for Anthony Yard. He used a strength and conditioning coach, and it paid off in that fight big time. He could literally take two, two and a half weeks off, almost three weeks off, and then do a short camp. Normally, I wouldn't like that coming off a layoff, but coming right off a fight where you got 11 rounds in, man, maybe you only need a six-week camp right? It's not like he's got to cut weight or anything like that. He's not a big uh, light heavyweight. And I'll talk about that in a second. But, uh, you know, I'm starting to change my opinion. You know what I'm saying? Maybe he takes a few weeks off. He goes into camp and he doesn't spar until the last three, four weeks of camp. So he gets a month break from sparring, a month break from contact. First few weeks of camp is just strength and conditioning, just getting back in the rhythm, working drills, and then maybe a few weeks before the fight. So if the fight's November 2nd, he starts sparring in October. You know, a few people talked about this. Stephen Breadman Edwards, I can put his name on the record. He talked about this. He, of course, trains Julian J. Rock Williams. I think he's one of the best trainers in the sport. Criminally underrated trainer and just historian of the game. He talked about that, that, you know, Sergey can do brief sparring, and have a shorter camp. That way he does get a few weeks rest. And as long as he ain't being crazy, you know, partying for those few weeks that he's off, and doesn't blow up and wait or getting, you know, crazy, he should be okay for Canelo. So I've actually turned around my opinion on this. I didn't like the November 2nd date. But now I'm like, you know what? It could work. I still don't love it. I still think it does benefit Canelo. I really, really do. But... I think it's going to be okay for Sergey Kovalev. In fact, you know, he's a guy who isn't always disciplined outside the ring in between fights. Maybe this helps him stay in shape. You know what I'm saying? So I've kind of come around in my opinion, and I've opened up to this November 2nd date. I've also thought about this. It's not Canelo Alvarez and Golden Boy Promotions who want that November 2nd date. They don't hate that it's a short turnaround for Sergey Kovalev. They, they're all about it. They're happy that Sergey gets turned around so quickly, but it's coming from the zone. So here's the reality, guys. October 5th, Golovkin, Derevyanchenko. Literally a month later, November 2nd, 
Canelo Kovalev. A month after that, in early December, you've got Ruiz Joshua 2. That's three straight months of three blockbuster fights that matter. They're all title fights, and they, they matter for different reasons. And then the winners of two of those fights may fight again next year, right? So it's a big deal. All three of those fights, they're all one month out. So if you sign up for a month of the zone to get that golovkin Derevyanchenko fight, your month subscription is going to run out before you get to see that Canelo-Kovalev fight. So you got to sign up for that second month. You want to see AJ and Ruiz do it again? You got to sign up for the third month. So it's a very smart play by DAZN. Of course, those of us who get it, the year-round subscription, you know, of course, it, it, we already get all this anyway. But guys, again, I'm going to keep saying it. The fourth quarter is going to be stacked if all these fights come through. Just absolutely stacked. You, just on DAZN, okay? Now, now ESPN, you've got Baturbia Vojdek coming up, right? And then I just talked about how you're going to have Richard Comey, Teofimo Lopez in December. But just stick it to the zone. You got the three big fights I just talked about. But don't forget about the World Boxing Super Series finales. That cruiserweight finale is going to be very good. The, uh, the bantamweight finale is going to be very good. And that 140-pound finale between Taylor and Progray, possible fight of the year right there. I'm just telling you, in terms of atmosphere, where the fighters are at, styles, everything. Possible fight of the year. So that is an amazing fourth quarter lineup. You know, I, I, the first three quarters of this year were eh, okay. There was moments, don't get me wrong. There was all these upsets. There was these big, you know, dramatic moments. But as far as just loaded fights, almost every damn weekend starting in October, man, the fourth quarter is going to be awesome. I can't freaking wait. I don't know about you guys. But anyway, one quick last note about Canelo Kovalev. And of course, we'll talk a lot more about that fight. I've heard people comparing it to Spence and and Garcia, including Mario Lopez on his show with Steve Kim. I just don't see that comparison. Of course, there are parallels. You got one guy moving up two weight classes and everything. I understand that. But just real quick, and I, I can dissect this a lot more if you guys want me to. We'll talk about it later in the episode. But Mikey Garcia, fighting at lightweight, moved up two weight classes to fight Errol Spence, a, a welterweight who's busting at the seams, will be at 154 by this time next year. He's going to start really having trouble making 147, right? A huge welterweight in his physical prime. Still a young guy. Still haven't even seen his peak yet as an athlete. And you compare that to Canelo, who is also in his physical prime, moving up two weight classes to fight Kovalev. Now, Kovalev, if he's playing the part of Errol Spence... Kovalev is 36, not a big light heavyweight. Honestly, he could have fought at super middleweight earlier in his career if he wanted to. And he's not in his physical prime like Spence. He's not busting at the seams at light heavyweight, about to move to cruiserweight. So it's not exactly the same thing. It looks similar, but it's different. We'll talk more about that later on. But first, we got a super chat from George Jolly who says, Buddy's Pizza Rules. George, thank you very, very much for the super chat, my man. And also, hell yeah, Buddy's Pizza Rules. You got to go to the original one on Conan and Seven right there. That's the best one. And I understand there's other, other great pies in Detroit. I've tried them all. Well, maybe not all, but most of them. But for my money, Buddy's Pizza, best pie in America. You got to go to that location. I always have a good time when I'm there. It's awesome. I freaking love me some buddies. All right, let's see. Let's get to a few questions, guys, before we get into this fight preview. And we got a few of them this weekend, besides the big show in London. Hamid says Mikey was a blown up 135. Sure he was. Although Mikey actually is going to settle in at 140, Hamed. In fact, I think that's where he's going next. Um, but, yes, he was, of course, Spence's bigger guy. But check this out, okay? Guys, just to put this into perspective, I I checked on this. Errol Spence's reach is 72 inches. Sergey Kovalev's reach is 72 and a half inches, okay? So while Kovalev is much taller than than Canelo, 
Because I think Canelo's like 5'8", and Kovalev's 6 feet even. I've seen some people list him as 6'2". No, he's 6 foot even. But he's narrow. He's a narrow, skinny guy. He's long, but he's thin. Narrow shoulders, narrow hips, skinny arms, skinny legs. It's just how he's built, right? Spence, as a welterweight, has the same reach as Sergey Kovalev as a light heavyweight. So let, you know, put that into perspective. Just think of how huge Anthony Yard looked against Sergey Kovalev. So it's not the same thing. Mikey Garcia literally moved up and fought the biggest, baddest, most, most feared right now welterweight. Now, I think Terrence Crawford's probably the best one. But dude moved up and fought the biggest, most physical welterweight there is right now in Errol Spence. Canelo ain't doing that. He ain't moving up and fighting Artur Baturbiev. That's not who he's fighting. He's not moving up and fighting Oleksandr Vozdyk. He's not going to fight the winner of their upcoming fight in October. He's fighting the guy out of the four title holders right now at light heavyweight that is the most vulnerable but has the biggest name. I don't blame him for doing it. I sure as hell don't blame, blame Kovalev for taking that payday. But it's a different scenario here, guys. Just remember that, all right? <clears throat> Louis Garibay asked, who do you have winning the Huey Fury versus Povetkin? We'll talk about that in a few minutes, my man. But up, up front, you know, I, I still like Povetkin. I know a lot of people are saying Fury had his best camp. He's in shape. He's lost weight. He's gotten cut up. He's taken this serious. I just think Povetkin's too crafty, man. If Povetkin is still on his A game and hasn't lost too much after that tough fight he had with Anthony Joshua last year, I still favor the Russian. Dirk Diggler says, Louis and Hazel Park is way better. Dirk, I hear a lot of people say that. I like Louis. Look, if you like more cheese on your pie, it's Louis. If you're more about the crust and the toppings, it's more about buddies. I will say this. That, uh, that Italian soup they got at Louis, I can't remember the name of it off the top of my head. It's like an American Italian soup. That shit is bomb. That's one of the best soups I've ever had in my life. You can go get that canister, that little plastic canister of it up there. That shit is amazing. That, that destroys anything at Buddy's. For real. But Buddy's is the best pie. Oh, Tiffany Lamb dropping in the chat. Look at that. She says Buddy's trumps all. And Tiffany knows. She's been to all of them too. Been to all of them. All right. The Kism says Povetkin by KO. Possibly. Possibly. But age matters and size matters. I think it's probably going to go to distance. But again, we'll talk about that in a second. Um... Dirk says, yes, I've had it, Mike. It's amazing. Yeah, that soup is amazing, is it not? That is the best soup I may have ever had. My grandma Montero's wedding soup was pretty awesome. She made like a Christmas soup and a wedding soup. They're kind of the same thing. They were amazing. They were amazing. Hamed asked, Mike, would people be as critical if Golovkin fought Kovalev at 175? Here's the difference, okay? And I know where you're going with this, Hamad. It's a smart question. A lot of people feel like Canelo is avoiding that third fight with Golovkin right now and looking for any other opponent to fight as a justification to not fight Golovkin. I think that's why he's getting some criticism. Also, he's spinning it. Canelo and his people are spinning it as fourth title in a fourth weight class, blah, 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 blah. Now, Kovalev is a legitimate title holder. You look who he beat to win that title when he beat Alvarez. And then even his mandatory defense against Yard, that was, that was no cupcake, right? That was a tough fight for him. But he is seen as the most vulnerable of those four title holders right now. And it, it, it's not a cherry pick. That is not the right term to use. Canelo's moving up, and he is taking on a serious, legit challenge. And look, I'm even starting to consider Kovalev does really have a chance. I mean, size matters. And I, I was thinking Canelo knockout. And I'm starting to think, you know what? Nah, man, that's a distance fight. I don't give a shit how vulnerable Kovalev is to the body. That's a distance fight. I just don't see Kovalev winning a decision against Canelo in Vegas or really probably anywhere in America, to be honest with you. Anywhere in North America. Uh, but if Golovkin was avoiding somebody, let's say he was avoiding a third fight with Canelo. Let's say Canelo wanted a third fight. And Golovkin said, nah, man, I don't want to work with you because I don't like you. And he moved up and took on the softest touch. 
at a higher weight class. He began to criticize. Look, man, Golovkin got just brutalized by people on social media for fighting Vans Martirosian last spring when Sergei Derevyanchenko was his mandatory. It was a complicated situation because there were two very different fights with different pay scales. The Derevyanchenko fight, that would have cost them more money. They would have possibly had to go to pay-per-view. The network wanted an extra month to promote a pay-per-view. They would have maybe possibly had to go to Las Vegas to generate a bigger site fee. The executives at Las Vegas, the hotels that own the MGM and all that. By the way, MGM owns like all of Las Vegas. They own like over a dozen of the casinos there. They wanted more time to promote a pay-per-view between Golovkin and Derevyanchenko. It was much more complicated than just, oh, Golovkin's scared of Derevyanchenko. He's just going to fight Martirosian. He got just beat up, right, in that situation. Now, I'm not trying to compare Canelo fighting Kovalev to that. It's not the same. But if Golovkin was avoiding Canelo to move up and fight Kovalev, he'd be getting just beat up on social, man. That's just how it works. Golovkin just brings out a lot of hate for some reason. He's just one of those guys that people seem to love or hate. There's no in-between about him. Uh, and some guys are just like that. And I, some of it is, look, his, uh, Golovkin somewhat adopted a little bit of the divaness from Canelo over their little saga over the past couple of years. Yeah, yeah. Triple G has pulled some, some diva moves himself, right? And But I think a lot of people look at the tough road Golovkin's had coming up where he's had to really, really make concessions and he's had to suffer. And they say, you know what? If the dude wants to do things his way at this point, he's kind of earned it. So there's two ways to look at it. There always is. All right, let's, let's get into the preview real quick, guys. And then we'll get back to some, some chat. You know, I'll actually, I'll answer one question here because Muscle Memory asks, whatever happened to David Lemieux? Uh, he was not a Mando, that's kind of a big question here. He says here, I see him being able to put Darrell, Eubank Jr., Charlo, and Andre all to sleep still. Here's the thing, bro. I don't know if he can make 160. I don't, David Lemieux likes to eat. He likes to drink. He likes to hang out with the ladies and have a cocktail, okay? I've seen it. Dude, dude's, dude's a pimp. He's a player. I'll give him that. So he kind of blows up in the midsection a little bit between fights. He likes crepes and all that good food you guys have up there in Canada. So he ain't going back down to 160 unless there's a shot at Canelo or something on the line where he, he will kill himself and probably get stopped. But would he drain himself and kill himself to move back to 60 to fight Charlo or Andre? No, that's not happening. Now, at 168, okay, he could get back in the game. He did have an injury recently. He had, an, he had an injury. So he's recovering from that and everything else. Um, just give him time. I think he'll be back in the ring early next year, maybe even late this year. But as far as him going up against Darrell, Darrell's about to lose his title. As far as him going up against Eubank Jr., he'd have to travel to the UK for that. If he was willing to do that, that'd be a hell of a fight. I don't know if Eubank Jr.'s people want that. But... Something like that could happen. And I'm telling you, man, that'd be a fun matchup. That would be a very, very fun matchup. Muscle Memory says Armenian Lebanese barbecues. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Young Pablito asks, why are you exposing Lemieux? His wife is watching. <laughs> I'm not saying right now. I'm not saying right now he does that. I'm just saying, you know, I've seen it in the past. Okay? That's all I'm saying. I'm just going to leave it at that. And we're going to move forward. Okay. Tonight, there's fights on. Uh, actually being uh, streamed on UFC Fight Pass, a Debella Entertainment card at Foxwoods in Connecticut. So if you guys have UFC Fight Pass, you can check that out tonight. Should be coming on pretty soon, actually. Tomorrow, August 30th, Friday, from Pasadena, California, there was a card scheduled that was going to uh, be streamed on ringtv.com, but I've heard that it could be off. I've heard it's still on. I don't know. It's kind of unclear if you guys are interested in that, if you like watching those cards that Ring TV streams, just check out that site tomorrow. I'm not sure if that fight is st- or that card is still on or not because I've received mixed messages from my peeps. Saturday, August 31st. Let's start here in the U.S. of A at Minneapolis Armory. It's PBC on Fox and Fox Deportes. In the main event, Irislandi Lara going up against Mexican Ramon Alvarez. 
for the vacant WBA regular junior middleweight title. Damn, do I hate the WBA. How the hell is this for a vacant title? J-Rock, Julian J-Rock Williams, right now has the real WBA title and the IBF title. He won it off Jared Hurd in what is still my pick for fight of the year earlier this year. A great performance. And should he win the, the rematch, which should happen late this year, he's still going to have that, those unified titles. Yet, the WBA sanctions this bullshit. So, we all know who Irislandi Lara is, right? Uh, 36 years old, Southpaw out of Cuba. 25-3-3, 14 knockouts. His last fight was a loss to Jarrett Hurd. I'm sorry, that wasn't his last fight. His last loss was last April to Jarrett Hurd. Kind of a rough fight. One of the better fights of the year. A lot of people thought it was the fight of the year. His last fight was early this year in March. We had a draw with Venezuelan Brian Carlos Castano. So coming off a loss and a draw, he walks into a vacant title fight. That's the WBA for you. The WBA is shit. The WBA stands for will belt anything. That's what it stands for. Alvarez... You probably never heard of him. Ramon Alvarez has fought outside of Mexico once. And he was a TKO9 loss to American Brandon Rios in Kansas last November. Picture this, okay? Brandon Rios, where he's at right now, shot to shit. No disrespect to him. But in his heyday, he was a damn good lightweight. Damn good lightweight. One of the best in the world at that time. Years removed from that, right? Well faded. What's the last images you have of Brandon Rios in his last fight? Taking a lot of punishment, right? Brandon Rios knocked this dude out in his only fight outside of Mako last March. I'm sorry, last November. So obviously, obviously, Irizlandi Lara is going to knock this guy out, grab a piece of the WBA title, and somewhere down the line, I guess, be in line for the winner between the Williams heard rematch. That's the way it's supposed to happen. You know, we'll see. We'll see what happens. I don't, maybe I, I don't mind seeing that, but I just, the, the fact that this is supposed to be, this, the WBA could just say, this is a mandatory, an elimination fight for the mandatory position. You don't have to make it for a title. That shit's confusing. I know that fighters like titles. I know sanctioning bodies like getting paid extra sanctioning fees for giving out those title belts but this shit's confusing what this is basically for this fight is for an elimination for the mandatory position that's what it's for just call it that don't call it a title fight that's very dishonest anyway also saturday august 31st in australia bendingo australia i've never heard of bendingo any of my australian peeps out there can you tell me about bendigo is it a Big city? Is it a medium-sized city? Small town? Tell me more, because I don't know. I just know, of course, us Yanks. We only know of like the two big cities over there, right? Uh, Brisbane and and Sydney. But I've never heard of Bendigo, so tell me more. Jeff Horn fighting Michael Zarafa. If you remember that name, Michael Zarafa, he's best known for losing to Kel Brook last year. So uh, this is actually going to be a pretty tough fight, because, you know, Jeff Horn coming off that loss to to, uh, Terrence Crawford, he got beat up a little bit in that. He's moved up in weight, won a couple fights. But Zarafa is the best challenger he's had, the best opponent he's had since that fight with Crawford. So that should be fun. Okay, O2 Arena in London. ESPN Plus here in the U.S. of A. And Sky Box Office over in the U.K. Top rank and matchroom. Grandpa Bob and Cousin Eddie working together and boy grandpa bob says some nasty shit about cousin eddie sometimes i don't know if it's a generational thing i'm not sure what it is but they're working together on this one vasily lomachenko going up against luke campbell 12 rounder of course for lomachenko's wbo wba and the vacant wbc lightweight title the very title that mikey garcia said nah i don't want none of lomachenko let me go get paid up against spence and vacated so basically, they're fighting for Mikey Garcia's title. Going to be three out of the four titles at Lightweight Unified. Um, let's see. Tail of the tape. Lomachenko. Southpaw. So is Campbell. They list Lomachenko at 5'7". That's ridiculous. 
He's 5'6". He might even be 5'5". He's a little dude. Campbell, on the other hand, is every bit of 5'9". He's much taller than Lomachenko. 65-inch reach for Loma, 71-inch reach for Campbell. Clearly, the Londoner, the UK fighter, is the taller, longer guy. Um, So, but you know what? They're actually the same age. They're both 31 years old. And interestingly enough, Lomachenko, two gold medals in the Olympics. Campbell, people forget, man, he got gold in 2012 as well. The one guy they both fought, Jorge Linares, who they both struggled against. The difference, Linares dropped both Campbell and Lomachenko, right? The difference is Lomachenko came back and stopped Linares. Campbell made it real tight against Linares, but lost a very close fight. I thought Linares edged it out. I was there for that fight. I was ringside. And I remember being ringside for that fight in LA and and thinking to myself, man, Campbell could fight. He's underrated. A lot of people think that he's just this regional, quote-unquote, British guy. This dude has a gold medal in the Olympics. He's tall, rangy. He's a little chinny. It's not so much that he's chinny. It's that sometimes he dives in and kind of has these defensive lapses. Doesn't move his head a lot and can get caught coming in. In fact, he's been dropped not only by Linares, but he was dropped by Argenis Mendez. He was dropped by Yvan Mendy, who he lost a close fight to and then beat in a rematch later on. So he's been dropped a few times, but uh, those guys fight with completely different styles than Lomachenko. So a lot of people think that this is going to be just a blowout win for Loma, like his fight with Anthony Crawler earlier this year. Guys, it's not. It's going to, in many ways, be a replay of the fight between Lomachenko and Linares. Linares is a tall, long guy for the lightweight division who throws straight punches. Now, he's much faster than Campbell and more explosive, but Campbell knows how to use his stick. He's got a decent jab. And when he's comfortable and in his rhythm, he boxes pretty well. He also knows how to survive when he needs to. Again, he's been dropped several times, never been stopped. And I saw when he got dropped against Linares, he recovered very well, had good body language. And it had to be a rough moment for him being on the road, fighting in L.A. against a hostile crowd. Uh, and he did well in that fight. In fact, you know, I thought down the stretch, he, he did better in the later rounds than Linares did to make it tight. So... I think this is going to distance. Now, that doesn't mean I'm picking Campbell. I like Lomachenko, and I like him fairly clearly. But Campbell's going to win a few rounds. I, I think that it just there's a possibility Lomachenko could stop him late. Wouldn't surprise me, okay? But I think it'd be very impressive if he does. What did I just say? Campbell's never been stopped. He's fought some decent fighters. He's done well. All that amateur experience, Olympic experience, the dude knows how to handle himself in a ring. For that reason, I would bet the over in terms of rounds. I don't even know what the over-under is with, with, in terms of rounds at, with Vegas right now. But I would bet the over, and I would say this is going the distance. If Loma stops him late, wouldn't be surprised. Now, if Loma blows him out and gets him out of there in the first half of the fight, I'd be very, very impressed. That would be very, very impressive just based upon tail the tape, styles. And then you guys got to remember, man, this is the UK debut for Loma. He hasn't fought over there. It's going to be a big crowd at the O2 Arena. There's been a buzz and an excitement. Everybody I've been talking to, everyone at Boxing Monthly has been talking about this. I mean, the public workouts, all the UK fans were really interested to come out and see Lomachenko. He's been getting a very good response. But make no mistake, they're going to be pulling for Campbell. He's going to have that home crowd pulling for him. And that helps, guys. That's part of what helped Sergey Kovalev get over the hump last week against Anthony Yard in Russia. So all those things considered, I, I, just, I think this is going to distance. I think this is going rounds. I'd be very, very surprised and quite frankly impressed if Loma blows him out early. Um, but do I think Campbell's going to win? No. Now, Komain, Huey Fury versus Alexander Povetkin. 12 rounds, heavyweight. So, let's look at Huey Fury. Yes, Tyson Fury's cousin, I get it. Nowhere near as skilled. Big guy, nowhere near as nimble and as skilled. It just doesn't have the same instincts. I just don't see the same fighter instincts in him. 
He has losses to Joseph Parker, which some people, you know, he tried to claim that was a robbery. I think it was a majority decision. That should have been a unified decision. Joseph Parker clearly beat Huey Fury. That was not controversial. It was competitive, but Parker beat him. And then he lost clearly to Kubrat Pulev. Where would you rate Joseph Parker and Kubrat Pulev right now? The lower half of the top 10 in the heavyweight division, right? If you look at the top 10 heavyweights, somewhere in the, the lower half of that top 10, you have Joseph Parker, Kubrat Pulev. Those are two guys that competitively, but clearly beat Huey Fury. Where do you rate Alexander Povetkin? Probably in the second half of the top 10, right? At least that's where he was last year when he fought Anthony Joshua. Now, that was a tough seven rounds. He had moments. He did have moments, but he got stopped by Joshua last September. Hasn't fought since. It's been almost one year layoff. Dude's getting up there in age. I think he's in his late 30s now. Is that one year layoff good for him at this stage or is that one year layoff bad for him? We'll find out Saturday. Maybe the rest did him some good. Maybe he's going to be sluggish and Huey Fury can bank some early rounds. This is in the UK, right? So it's, you know, look, this is an interesting matchup. This is an interesting matchup because on paper, on paper, Fury should lose. But given all the intangibles and where these guys are at in their career, he might pull this one off. He really might. Oh, we got two super chats from Brandon Lowry. Brandon Lowry, thank you very, very much for the super chat, my man. He says, Mike, I'm just glad boxing is finishing the year strong with some good fights. And I get to go to a close showbox event in Midland, Texas. Four hours drive from New Mexico. Salud. That's awesome, man. Four hours drive. Midland, Texas. I'm trying to think. I've heard of Midland, Texas. Where is Midland? Is that literally in the middle of Mexico? I'm thinking if you're driving from New Mexico, Midland's got to be more on the west side of Texas. That's awesome. But um, hey, man, enjoy the fights. There's nothing like going to live fights, especially when it's a televised fight. I don't know what it is about having fights on uh, network TV, cable, whatever it is, just seeing the cameras and, and seeing the announcers and that crew. I think uh, that's going to be... Um, is that going to be Michael Dutchover? Is that going to be... Is that the Michael Dutchover card? Is he fighting there? Because I know he's from Texas. Brandon Attaway says, West Texas, oil field country. Hell yeah. I've driven through there. Holy shit. You can go fast out there because there's nothing around. <laughs> but uh, Brandon, yo, man, thank you, number one, for the super chat. But number two, man, go and enjoy those fights. Nothing like seeing fights live, man. It's the best thing, especially when you're seeing... I think the card that you're going to go to, correct me if I'm wrong, but I think that's that Dutch over card. And he's on the verge, man, where probably next year going to be challenging for a title. So that's awesome that you get to go see him uh, live and that you get to go check out that Showbox card. Thank you very much for the support, brother. All right, guys, back to the, um, to the preview. So, yeah, with Fury, look, he, look if, if Povetkin is rusty, if he's old, if he's slow, if he's beat up from that Anthony Joshua fight, and then, you know, he's had some rough fights. I mean, Vladimir Klitschko mauled and grappled him and beat him down. Uh, you know, so he's had cycling on and off of performance-enhancing drugs. That'll age you. If he gets old overnight fighting against Fury, Fury could win a decision here. It would be very, very interesting. It'd be a huge win for him, and it'd put him right there in the top 10 of the heavyweight division. But if Povetkin is anywhere near top form, is he, is he 100%? No, he's, he's past his best. I get that. But if he's anywhere near top form, he should beat Fury by decision. It might look kind of like Kovalev Yard, where one guy just has better craft and just better experience and technique, and he knows how to pull out close rounds. Also on this card, uh, Charlie Edvard. Charlie Edwards versus Mexican Julio Cesar Martinez. Uh, his first bout outside Mexico. You know what that probably means. This is for Edwards' WBC flyweight title. His second defense of that title. I think we're going to see Charlie Edwards win a unanimous decision there. Also prospects. Light heavyweight prospect. Really good looking light heavyweight prospect. Joshua Buazzi. 11-0. He's going to be on this card. And undefeated 9-0 lightweight prospect. Joe Cordina. 
on the undercard. So that's going to be a fun one, man. That's, I mean, you're going to have that ESPN card, and then you got the PBC card. Nice little Saturday. Yeah, nice little Saturday. All right, let's see, guys. Uh, questions. Duck says, ref helping Campbell or... Oh, Duck says, I wouldn't be surprised with some shady stuff in the UK, ref helping Campbell or a gift robbery decision. You know, I will say this, man. Um, the UK does a pretty good job. For, there's been some shady stuff there, but there's been plenty of shady stuff here in the USA too, right? After Lomachenko and Top Rank and what they went through in that Salido fight, forget Top Rank, just Team Lomachenko and what happened to them, the way they basically got hustled in that Orlando Salido fight. Dude, they take steps and they've taken steps to ensure they're going to be on a fair playing field over in the UK. So I wouldn't worry about any funny stuff, all right? As far as the commission, the judges that were appointed, the ref that was appointed, they've thoroughly gone over that shit and they're comfortable with who the officials, you know, who's going to govern that fight. So they're, they ain't going to deal with any funny business after what happened to them in that Salido fight. Gail Falkenthal's on. She says, oh my God, better late than never. The real first lady of Boseo, now in the house. Smash that damn like button. That's what's up, Gail. Thank you for chiming in. You missed the whole damn fight preview. You, you just, you missed everything. So you got to go back and, and, uh, and watch or listen or whatever. Gail, who do you like or how do you like? I, I think I know who you like this weekend. What do you think Lomachenko Campbell? Is that going the distance or is that a knockout? For my money, Lomachenko is it's probably going the distance. I would bet the over in terms of rounds. That's the way I see it. I'm curious what you think. Carlos Cabrera says, UK loves Loma, to be honest. Carlos, yeah, man, that, that's what I've seen. That's what I've heard. Um, the UK fans are really smart, really intelligent. They fiercely support their fighters, but they also fiercely respect greatness. I know when, when Floyd Mayweather went over there, he was received very well. There's several American fighters and fighters from different parts of the world who have gone over there and been treated very, very well. And from everything I'm hearing and seeing, Loma's been treated very well over there. So I think the UK fans respect. And just seeing that dude live, just, he's, 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 he's just amazing. I've been fortunate to see him live several times, up close and personal. And just the footwork is crazy. It's just, it's just out of this world. I think the UK fans are going to have a blast. Gail says, Loma can go the distance and dance rings around Campbell. Every time something... Every time something thinks he's going to, someone thinks he's going to face a real challenge, he crushes it. Think Linares. Yeah, I hear you. Loma is an effing virtuoso. Yes, he is. Yes, he is. It's not to say that, you know, I think people get really, really upset because they feel that the boxing media slobbers all over Lomachenko. It's not that. I'll just speak for myself, okay, and some of my peers that talk well of Lomachenko. It's not that we think he's the best fighter of all time. It's not that we think um, we've never seen a fighter that can move like him. He's just such a unique, dynamic package as a fighter. It's something that, overall, what he brings is unique, and it kind of really hasn't been seen before. We've seen guys who are fast. We've seen guys who do good footwork. We've seen guys who are really, really athletic and do all this crazy training stuff. But seeing it all put together in this little five foot six Ukrainian package with you know hundreds of amateur fights and, and the gold medals and all this, it just hasn't been seen. You know what I'm saying? It's very reminiscent of when Pacquiao first kind of exploded on the scene. Um, Pacquiao was just such a dynamo. I was like, holy shit. Watching him train, watching him fight, just seeing that up close, that wild card, and seeing some of the fights and everything, it's like, holy shit, I'm not going to forget this guy. Pacquiao is one of those guys, at his best, you had to see him. You had to see him live. There was just, so some guys are very, very good, right? Bernard Hopkins, Vladimir Klitschko, Floyd Mayweather, Winky Wright, these are just names popping in my head. They do a certain thing very well that's effective, but seeing what they do, you've kind of seen it before. You've kind of seen a version of it before. Maybe they put a little twist on it, but they do it. They do it very well. 
I'm not saying all those guys are in the exact same level, but they're all Hall of Famers, right? That level of fighter. But they're not memorable to where it's like when you see them, you're like, holy shit, dude, we've never seen something like this. You're never going to see something like this ever again. It's only going to last for a few years, but I'm glad I got to see it up close. I think that's the way a lot of people feel when they see Lomachenko. It's just so unique. It's so different. And that, that threatens some people, I think. I think some people really get threatened by him. And they should just shut up and just enjoy what they're seeing. Because dudes, he's already fighting above his best weight. He's really a featherweight. He could make 130 tomorrow if he wanted to. He could make 126 right now if he really str- he'd struggle. But he, he could make it. So he ain't got many years left. He ain't going to be fighting for seven, eight more years. It's going to be this little five-year window, and then he's going to move up too much and get stopped by a much bigger guy, and it's going to be over. He's going to lose again before he retires, of course. Enjoy this moment that you're getting. Some fighters have this long career that's very effective, and it's memorable because of their longevity and what they were able to accomplish. Again, like a Bernard Hopkins. But it's not memorable because he didn't give you this amazing thing you've never seen before. He, he just Maybe because he was so old and did so well later on, yes. But what you're seeing right now, the virtuoso that you're seeing in Vasily Lomachenko, just enjoy the shit. Stop making it political. It's not political. It's just boxing. <laughs> boxing is political. What am I saying? Carlos Cabrera, thank you so much for the super chat, my man. Carlos says, Campbell has a good pedigree has a gold medal, size and reach advantage, gave Onaris a good fight. I like the fight. It'll take Loma some rounds to figure him out. I agree, dude. That's how I see it. That's just how I see it. Um, Lomachenko's human. Guess what? He's human. He's going to get touched by Campbell. And he's going to see Campbell make some adjustments to him. And he's going to have to make counter adjustments to Campbell. That process is going to take rounds. And I just feel with everything else, likely going the distance, at least going late rounds. I'd really be surprised if this is a short fight. It would really, really be a huge surprise to me. Sun Monkey Kong says, Inoue says he wants to fight Loma. How do you feel about that fight? Inoue is a bantamweight right now. Lomachenko is a lightweight. He needs to, in a way, needs to chill out. He's got several divisions to conquer before going up to fight Loma. That's a little crazy. If, if, over the next two years, three years, in a way, moves up, let's say, all the way up to featherweight, which I think he'd wear featherweight well once he grows into it. And he dominates. And he's beating and drilling and knocking out featherweights. And Loma's still at lightweight. Okay, let's see it. That'll be fun. Omar Rodriguez asked, when is the Taylor Serrano fight happening? Well, good question. Serrano has a fight coming up against Heather the Heat Hardy, right? Uh, So they're going to fight in New York. After that, should she beat Hardy, which she is favored to do, um, then it's possible. Katie Taylor, you know, look, I think she should rematch Pearson because that was such a close fight. And a lot of people feel that Katie Taylor lost that fight. In a perfect world, she'd be rematching her on the Ruiz-Joshua uh, undercard. I don't even know if Katie Taylor would be comfortable going to Saudi Arabia, though. So I kind of don't blame her. Um, you know, yeah, a woman fighting over there, I don't know how that's going to be received. But that's who she should be fighting right now. But if the plan is to fight Serrano, probably not going to happen. So uh, I'd say early next year, bro. Should Serrano beat Hardy, that fight will happen next year. Carlos says, a decisive, easy win shows the greatness of Loma. I think he's pound for pound number one. He's accomplished more in such a short time compared to the likes of Crawford. Even Inouye is coming close. Yeah, dude. Yeah, look. One thing Crawford's done is Crawford completely cleaned out a division. And I rate that very highly. That's something I wish more fighters would do. I don't like the weight jumping and all that. And Crawford's done that. Lomachenko hasn't. Inouye hasn't. Inouye has beaten some top guys, but he hasn't cleaned out a division. Going through the, the, the World Boxing Super Series, so he's kind of cleaning out Bantamweight, but there's that other guy, Luis Neri. 
So if, in a way, let's say beats Donaire, which I, f- I think he will, and then fights Nary and blows him out, shit, in a way, might be the top guy. He really might, because then he's also done the weight jumping thing and cleaned out a division and gone through a tournament, which is something I respect. So, uh, and fought on the road. He hasn't just fought in Japan. He's traveled, which is another thing I respect. Remember, Crawford went over to the UK to win his first world title, right? So um, I get it. I understand. People, some people feel Crawford hasn't accomplished much. His world title at welterweight doesn't mean a whole lot. I understand that. But cleaning out 140, that, that's a big deal to me. Uh, to me, it's Lomachenko and Crawford 1A, 1B. And depending on how they look in their next fights and some of these other guys look. Look, Usyk is at heavyweight now. Let's see how he looks. Let's see how Inouye looks against Donaire. There's other fighters. Let's see, what, what if Spence blows away Sean Porter and knocks him out in three rounds? That's huge. No one's done that to Sean Porter. And he'd be unifying titles in that fight. So if, if Spence does that, man, he might be in consideration. You know what I'm saying? So we just don't know what's going to happen yet. But right now, today, live on the neutral corner, Lomachenko and Crawford are my 1A, 1B right now, pound for pound. Uh, shoot, let's see. Muscle Emery asked, Michael, did you notice the premature bell going off at the seven-second mark in round 10 of the Kovalev yard fight? Saved Anthony for another round. Yeah, I noticed that, but look, do I think it was shady or something was going on? No, it was, it was an honest mistake. The crowd was getting really loud at that point, dude. Really, really loud. Um, because Loma was loading up and beating the shit out of the yard. So, Man, I've been at arenas. Gail could talk about this because, you know, Gail has been in a bunch of fights. Where Gail, remember Gail, um, was it Bradley Vargas? I think it was Bradley Vargas at StubHub, which is now Dignity Health Center, blah, blah, blah. Um, it, it looked like, I think it was, the referee was Pat Russell. It looked like he called off the fight where, like, a lot of people thought Bradley lost. But really, he just thought the fight was over. I can't remember exactly how it went, but, like, I was right there by the ring and I thought the fight was over. I couldn't hear the 10 second clap, the sticks. That happens a lot. It's really hard to hear sometimes. I think that the refs should maybe wear something like an earpiece or something to hear it better or maybe headphones. I don't know because um, sometimes that crowd just gets too loud, bro. And it's the same thing with the dude with the clock. So um, yeah, I saw that, but in the end, it didn't matter. You know what I'm saying? Things like that happen. Let's see. Canada Chris says, Gary Russell went back into hibernation until July 2020. Yeah. (laughs) It's not on Gary Russell, though, dude. I have a newfound respect for him. I thought all these years it's been him ducking top top opposition. It's, It's really his management. For whatever reason, PBC just doesn't work with certain guys. It didn't work with Jamel Herring. Not working with Gary Russell Jr. He is not happy there. He's a guy, honestly, that should go to top rank. He should, he should follow uh, um, Jamel Herring's move and go over to top rank. He'll be treated much better there. Then again, there are guys that fight with PBC that love it. It's so funny because, you know, I, I did a piece, you guys know, on Jamel Herring, right? When I interviewed him for Ring. And he told me about his experience with PBC. He wasn't very happy. He's been very happy with top rank. Very next month, I'm doing a piece on Caleb Plant, talking to him. He loves his experience with PBC. So it just depends on the person. It works for some people. It doesn't work for others. But Gary Russell Jr., it ain't working out there with Uncle Al. And he needs to jump ship. Let's see. Well, we got a bunch of chat on here. John Yen says, Hearn wants Estrada to unify with Yafai, Kai Yafai. Then the rubber match with Sore Rungby side, then up to Inouye. What are my thoughts on this? My thoughts on that are all those fights are awesome. I love, and remember, the fight between Estrada and Yafai is probably going to be on the Ruiz-Joshua rematch, that undercard. You got to think the crowd that's going to be there. Um, it's, it's a British guy versus a Mexican guy. Yafai is Muslim, I do believe. You're in a Muslim country. I mean, all these things matter. The demographics of it all work out. It's great. I think that's going to be awesome. And then if he ends up fighting Sol Rungbisai again, and for what I 
for what it's worth, I think he'll beat Soarungi Sai again. Then he moves up and fights in a way. Holy shit! Sign me up for some of that. Because uh, Estrada and Inoue, remember, they fought on those Superfly cards. Inoue moved up in weight. So I always said, you know, like, it'd be awesome to see those two fight. If that ends up happening, holy shit. That's great, man. Canada Chris says Estrada wants Inoue. Yeah, I mean, I think that'd be awesome. John Yen says that's a lot more realistic than Inoue Loma. Yes, a lot more realistic. Politically, and just it just makes more sense. And look, there's there's been a brewing uh, rivalry between Mexico and Japan. It used to be Mexico and Puerto Rico. Puerto Rico's kind of done. Mexico has won that war. That shit's over. But Mexico and Japan has started to kind of become a thing, right? Sometimes Mexican versus Filipinos, those are good fights. Mexicans versus Japanese fighters always delivers, bro. Always delivers. I just, man, if, that, if they ended up doing Estrada and Inoue in Los Angeles, holy shit, that'd be fun. That'd be so much fun. Komoribi. Komoribi. I'm sorry, bro, if I'm butchering your name. He says, Usyk cleaned out a very strong cruiserweight division, and he did it in all of his opponent's backyards. Hell yeah, I hear you. And then he says, Crawford unified a very weak division. And he always has this, usually has a significant weight advantage and reach advantage. Look, the weight and reach advantage, whatever. That's just, guys are built differently, okay? Uh, Usyk has had weight and reach advantages against some of his opponents. I hear you. Crawford unified a very weak 140 division. Not nearly as strong as it is right now. I hear you. It's still not easy to do, man. Uh, Bernard Hopkins unified a really weak middleweight division. His best wins were over welterweights. Really. His best win was over Oscar De La Hoya, who started his career as a lightweight. People forget about that. It didn't matter, man. Bernard Hopkins still unified that division and owned it. Same thing with Vladimir Klitschko at heavyweight. It matters. It's difficult to do. And for, for Crawford, at the time Crawford moved up from 140 to 147, there was nobody at 140 to him, for him to fight. At the time Usyk moved up to heavyweight, there was nobody at cruiserweight for him to fight. That's the way it should be. That's what I prefer a fighter to do rather than, than to jump around and wait all the time. The Kism ask is Estrada top 10. Are you asking pound for pound? Hell yeah. Juan Francisco Estrada is absolutely a top 10 pound for pound fighter and I've been saying that for years. Cody8804 has to get his Canelo comment in. I'm sure he's going to have a Golovkin comment to follow it up. He says, when Canelo unifies the light heavyweight division next year, he'll be undisputed pound for pound. My man, that's never going to happen. But if he does, if Canelo moved all the way up to light heavyweight and beat Bevel and the winner between uh, Baturbiev and, and Vozdik, yeah, he'd be pound for pound number one. Unquestioned. And he'd be really in some esteemed company. I mean, he'd, he'd take quite a leap in his all-time great type of ratings. But that's never going to happen. Gail says, completely agree with your ratings, Montero, as usual. Gail, great minds. Great minds. That's all that is. Tim Nick says, no, no, no. Not Vladimir again. He was never the WBC champ. He was only never the WBC champ because Vitaly Klitschko came back. We've been over this. And then when Vitaly retired, Don King got a hold of that WBC title and he sold it to Al Heyman and they were never going to put Wilder up against Klitschko. They had a gentleman's agreement and basically off the record it was, hey, when Vlad retires, Deontay is going to be the next guy. That's kind of the gentleman's agreement they had. Oh, we got another super chat from 158 Savio. Thank you very, very much, my man. Shout out from London. Love it. Weekly listener to your podcast, just so happens I can't sleep. So listening live for once, thank you so much, man. Oh, it's got to be the middle of the morning over there. <laughs> he says, uh, is Taylor Progray going to happen? Was so looking forward to that fight. Yes, that fight is absolutely going to happen. They are kind of in the final stages of negotiation. Paperwork's been exchanged. They're almost there, almost there. Not quite official yet, but I would expect an announcement very soon. 
That fight is absolutely going to happen. It's going to happen this year, my man. And it's going to happen over there in the UK. You heard it here. Not first. Other people have said this, but you heard it. It's legit. Thank you, thank you so much for watching, man. Eduardo Flores asks, what does lineal champion mean? I'm not even getting into that discussion. You know what? I'll answer that in a second. I got a couple more super chats. Another one from Carlos Cabrera. Thank you very much. Thank you so much, Carlos. That's awesome. He asked, what's your opinion on Kovalev's career? I think Hall of Fame. He should have got the W versus Ward in the first fight and stamped his name as pound for pound number one back then. He's been a dominant light heavy. Yeah, dude. He's, he stamped his ticket for the Hall of Fame with the win over Alvarez in the Alvarez rematch. That was enough. I feel he beat Ward too in the first fight. You can, you can say he was beat, technically he was beat three times, but soundly defeated twice. And to come back from that three-fight losing streak, two-fight knockout streak, to beat Alvarez, and then to beat Yard the way he did. Look, Yard may very well go on to win a title someday. You know, if, if one of the Eastern European guys, whenever the division gets all unified... It won't stay like that. It'll eventually break up and there'll be a bunch of vacant titles and interim titles. Yard might grab a title. If and when he does that, suddenly Kovlev's win over him is that much better. It looks that much better, right? Yeah, five years after Kovalev retires, he's in the Hall of Fame, clearly. If he's competitive against Canelo and if somehow beats Canelo, holy shit, that really changes things. That really, he says he wants five more fights. I don't know how we can stick around for that much longer. I, I really think it's two or three more tops, but we'll find out. But yeah, absolutely, Carlos. I agree. Hall of Fame career. John Uden, what's up, John, with the super chat? Thank you so much, my man. He says, Does Kovalev cash out after Canelo? 175 is rough. You know, just kind of following up on what I just said, in a recent interview, he said he wants five more fights, including this one against Canelo. So if he fights twice a year, basically that would mean he'd fight through the end of 2021. That's kind of the way he sees it. It really depends on who he fights. If he fights, remember, if he fights Canelo and loses, he doesn't lose his title because his title's at light heavyweight. He just beat a mandatory. So he can fight Canelo... And then next year, should he lose to Canelo, he can fight a voluntary defense. And then later next year, he'll have another mandatory probably. So those will be his two fights for next year. I think he'll be okay there. Maybe, maybe then in 2021, there's another kind of cash out fight against one of the other champions or something. We'll have to see. But I agree with you. 175 is rough. Those are killers up there. Those are killers up there. So Eduardo Flores, what does lineal, lineal champion mean? Lineal champion is this mythical thing. It's not an official thing. It's kind of just like pound for pound. Pound for pound is an opinion, right? Lineal means basically you are the guy, you are the fighter who beat the last undisputed champion. The guy that was seen as the champion. So in every division, there's a million titleists, right? Right now, Demetrius Andrade has a middleweight title, right? But the champion, the guy seen as the middleweight champion is Canelo Alvarez, right? Alexander Usyk was seen as the champion at cruiserweight, regardless if somebody else had an interim title or something. So if somebody had beat Usyk, they would become the lineal champion. They'd become the man. And they use the word lineal because there's a lineage. It's a link that connects. And you're supposed to be able to connect the current champion, the guy seen as the real champion, all the way back to the original champion. So sometimes, though, those lineages get broken and it doesn't work. Boxing purists and historians want to have this perfect lineage that goes all the way back to the 1800s, to the 19th century. It doesn't always work like that. It just doesn't. Like right now, I don't see anybody at heavyweight that is the man. It's broken up. So I don't see a lineal champion at heavyweight. Everyone says it's Tyson Fury because he beat Klitschko. Yeah, but there was performance-enhancing drugs. And then there was cocaine. And then there was a suspension and a retirement. And he didn't defend his championship for three years. And then he had a draw with Wilder. He fought a C-level fighter. He's about to fight another C-level fighter. 
He's not the lineal champion anymore. The lineage is broken. That's it. So there's an example, right? Hopefully I didn't confuse the shit out of you. <laughs> Carlos Cabrera with another super chat. Dude, you're awesome tonight, man. Beer's on me. Thank you so much. He asked, don't always get to watch live, but always rewatch. Big fan of you and Dougie. I assume you're talking about Doug Fisher, the man. He says, don't always agree, but that's boxing. Good to hear different opinions. Carlos, you're awesome. I agree with you. We're not always going to agree, but we agree on most shit, right? We're all boxing people. So that means we agree on most things. So we should be able to uh, enjoy our differences and have conversations like adults reasonably and not yell at each other and call each other names. That happens too much in our society, man. It drives me crazy. We can have difference of opinion. It doesn't mean one person's bad and one person's good. It just means we have a different opinion. You know what I'm saying? So you got the right attitude, bro. Thank you. The Kism says, well explained, MM. Thank you. I hope I explained the lineal thing pretty good. It's difficult, man. Here's the thing I always say, and you guys know this if you watch my show. There are world title holders and there are world champions. The winner between Lomachenko and Campbell is going to be the lightweight champion. Lomachenko is the champion at lightweight right now. Richard Comey has a title. He has a title. That's it. He is a world title holder, a titleist. Lomachenko is the champion. If he beats Campbell, he's still the champion. If Campbell beats him, he becomes the champion. In my opinion, Lomachenko has created a new lineage at lightweight, and he is the man now. He's the champ. I don't care. These sanctioning organizations have 5,000 different titles. What did I start the show with? Or what did I talk about just a minute ago? Irislandi Lara, Ramon Alvarez, this Saturday, fighting for a WBA regular title. When Julian J. Rock Williams, he's the champion of that division. He's the guy who matters. He's the top dog, right? So that's a good way to look at it. Lomachenko, champion at lightweight. Richard Comey, titleist. Big difference. And that's the way I'd describe it. That's the difference there, guys. All right. One last thing, and then we're going to bounce out of here. M. Gold asks, honest opinion is important. Not like bullshit racist boxing, <coughs> boxing ego or Dante Boxing Nation fans. All right. Well, we're just going to leave it right there, folks. <laughs> guys, thank you for uh, stopping by. Enjoy the fights this weekend. And uh, remember your homework. Smash that like button. Get the word out about the show. And um, if you haven't subscribed and followed us everywhere on all the platforms, make sure you do that, okay? Spotify, iHeartRadio, Google Podcasts, of course, iTunes, everywhere. Leave us a rating. Leave us a review. That helps me out, all right? I'll see you at the fights. Have a good one, guys.